Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Tilted Talk. Unfortunately, this week, Trooper's in the middle of moving, uh, the other Trooper, so he's not going to be joining us today, but in his place, we have a very special guest, a friend of mine that I've been looking forward to having onto the show for quite some time now, Jonathan Fatality Wendell. Uh, how you doing, my friend? Hey, how's it going, man? Oh, can't complain. NHL season kicks off, and I see you're in your Vegas jersey yeah, I got already, so... <laughs> You're ready to roll. Um, yeah. So yeah, no no complaints. Worlds kicked off for League of Legends too. So I'm a uh, you know sports are coming back. Esports are gearing heading into that final stretch. It's uh, it's all good on my end. Um, so I mean, obviously, I, I want to first start off this by kind of giving you a chance to introduce yourself to some of the people who are you know very very young in the esports scene. Maybe just Fortnite fans and don't really know the insane amount of things that you've already accomplished in the industry. You were the very first esports pro ever. Um, which is quite a statement in the fact that you know you it, there's a there's a YouTube video online that shows like earnings in esports over like up to a certain point in time, and for the first like 15 years, I think to like even like past 2010, it's just your name as like this big bar graph, and then everybody else is like a third of that, <laughs> and then finally once League of Legends started uh, gearing up and stuff, people started catching up. But uh, I, I'm hoping you could talk a little bit about like those early days of esports and what you learned and how the thing kind of got built up from there to what we're what we see now with Fortnite World Cup and League of Legends World Championships and uh, I'd, I'd like to get your perspective on kind of how that's evolved and your part in it. Yeah I mean uh, you know uh, if people know the game Quake, uh, Quake was like one of the first like kind of competitive player versus player games. I mean you could say fighting game communities uh, have some kind of a fight in the matter of esports like early days Yeah, uh, but uh, Quake was kind of like the one you could win some money at. Uh, obviously, you could win a Ferrari at it. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of my good friends, Dennis uh, Thresh Fong, uh, who won a Ferrari for playing Quake One. So um, he was uh, definitely uh, paving the way a lot of in a lot of ways really early uh, in the kind of like the very elite uh, level of Quake One players. Um, eventually, Quake 3 came out in 1999. Um, I've already been playing Quake 1 for about three years, and I was undefeated in all the tournaments I played in. Um, uh, but Quake 3 was like a game where it seemed that, you know, you had uh, some of the best players from all around the world coming to a physical event. So you had the best Germans, the best Russians, you had the best Swedish players, you had the best uh, Asian gamers, you had the best uh, American gamers, and they all came to, uh, these, to these type of tournaments. Um, and that's kind of when I really took off. Um, basically, um, I end up, uh, I saved about 500 bucks in my bank account uh, as a kid. Um, you know, my friend from Omaha, Nebraska, uh, he's told me how good I was. And I, I really didn't even know I was uh, that good. You know, I just, I really just, I really just loved playing the games and I just, um, it was a hobby. I wasn't making a living at it and so forth. So it wasn't anything to brag about besides bragging to my friends in high school. Uh, but, uh, yeah, eventually I, uh, saved up 500 bucks, went to my very first pro tournament, uh, won $4,000 that weekend playing a game uh, called Quake 3. And uh, eventually I went home and slapped that check on the table and I go, dad, I won $4,000 playing a video game. What's this world coming to? And uh, at, basically after that, I start, I kept playing the game. Two weeks after, I got invited uh, to go to Sweden to represent USA and play against the top 12 players in the world. And obviously, I went there and I won 18 games straight, losing zero against the top 12 guys in the world and be basically became the world champion at the age of 18 years old at the game Quake 3 Arena. Um, after that, I started getting sponsored. I started traveling to all the tournaments around the world. Uh, I think I made over $100,000 that year playing in tournaments. Um, That's and insane. And basically just, you know, kind of launched my career uh, as a professional gamer and um, eventually became kind of like a household name uh, later on throughout my career. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you touched on a bunch of things there that are pretty, like, actually big deals for especially the new generation of kids that are playing right now and competing in games like Fortnite. So for one, there was no way for you to know just playing online, sitting in your house, how good you actually were. You actually had to go to a tournament uh, <laughs> and actually save up your money, you know, either save up lunch money or get a part-time job just so you could go. Um, and there was nobody who had done this before you. So you couldn't even show your parents like, hey, look at this guy, so-and-so, who, you know, now is 100 grand because he's played video games. That didn't exist. So you really had to 
I mean, it must have taken an incredible amount of belief in yourself and then also just like a determination to do this when nobody else had done it. There was no clear path on how to do it. How much did you kind of have to figure things out as you went and how much did it take you by surprise as it was happening that you were making all this money and that this all this stuff was happening to you? Was it kind of surreal? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously saving up the money, you know, uh, as a kid, I played sports a lot and uh, I was always like an athlete. Um, and, you know, I felt like I didn't really get uh, to play as much sports as I really wanted to. Uh, my body was hungry for competition. And so, um, you know, as a kid, uh, not to dig in the weeds too much, uh, but, uh, you know, I just I never really felt like I got my full shot at uh, doing something and trying to be the best at it. So I was always kind of like the renaissance man, like really good at a lot of things, but never the best at one thing. And so um, gaming and esports and Quake 3 was kind of like my moment. Um, I actually moved out of my parents' house to pursue my career, so I'm not sure if I'm giving the best advice here. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I moved in with my dad, actually, so I wasn't too far offline. Um, but, uh, but my dad understood my competitive drive. He understood why I had to do it. And uh, obviously, saving up the 500 bucks, driving down there, basically, you know, kind of, you know, going all in to some extent, and uh, trained for about three months, about 10 hours a day, and it was actually an ultimatum to myself. Um, if I didn't win any significant money there, I was going to quit pro gaming uh, or wow. quit the whole concept of trying to play video games for a living. I mean, it, like you said, it really wasn't that thing yet. Um, you know, I think Thresh has some some fight in the battle of saying, like, uh, he's the first pro gamer, obviously, because he won the Ferrari, and he got a lot of sponsorships and so forth. Um, but for me, it was more or less, uh, you know, I was making my full living from playing tournaments, like tournament winnings. And obviously, I was able to uh, make a living just from tournaments. And then eventually, obviously, I took some, uh, uh, some of the business side of it to uh, win the sponsorships and, uh, and, you know, kind of live that crazy lifestyle of, competing and traveling the world but yeah i mean i remember being in sweden i was like i couldn't believe it um i couldn't you know there's so many moments where you just you're just like can is this really happening you know yeah um so i remember i was going to school at the time and i was telling my counselor about uh about me going to play video games and <laughs> and he he was actually very understanding of the situation because um I actually got uh, about a, a thirty thousand dollars sponsorship uh, sponsorship to one company. I got another thirty grand from another company, and then I, made, I was making over hundred grand my first year as a professional gamer. So I was explaining to the <laughs> to the uh, college counselor or whoever deal is like, my situation, and he was like, "Dude, it sounds like you should go do that and come <laughs> back to school because we will always be here." <laughs> so, so I was explaining all the things I was doing, and he was like in shock, actually. Um, and it's just kind of so crazy. I mean, no one really believed what I was doing back then. I mean, it was just so different. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible because there's still so many people today that if you talk to about esports are completely unaware of it and still like have like I mean, when the Fortnite World Cup happened and Buga won three million dollars, like he was everywhere. And you know, the general population, like obviously, you know, guys like you and me who live in this sort of stuff, we're like, oh yeah, this is just a natural evolution, but. For the majority of the world, they were like, a kid won $3 million playing a video game? What is going on? Like, it didn't make any sense to them still. Um, I, I, I loved it. You know, watching <laughs> him win the $3 million, I mean, it brought back a lot of memories for myself when I was that young playing games. So, uh, obviously, I was running four grand uh, back when he was 60, you know, when I was that young. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but you know, going uh, throughout my career, you know, I was able to leverage my uh, popularity um, uh and where basically um, I was featured on MTV True Life. So MTV True Life uh, did a documentary on me, and this is before reality TV was really a thing on television, um, but is they caught my true, uh, it was called a, I'm a, a True Life, I'm a Gamer. Okay. And so basically they followed me around for like four months watching me uh, play games. And if you guys ever want to just log up, load up uh, on youtube fatality true life i'm the gamer you can watch the episode it's uh, definitely a flashback um <laughs> but uh every year for over 13 years it was like one of the wow. most uh viewed uh, true lives ever recorded and um basically just showed me 
you know, going through my grind of like training, practicing, um, you know, and the whole nine yards. But the coolest thing was I won, uh, you know, on the documentary. So uh, the guys didn't know I'm going to win. You know, they just yeah, followed yeah, because like I'm a competitor and like I'm a quake champion. Right. But I'm playing a different game. I'm playing Unreal tournament. So it's not even my game. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it was showing kind of it showed basically my skill set where I could show people like i can play more than one shooting game so and throughout my career i was a world champion at five different uh, fps games uh so that's kind of like my legacy is like no one really ever did that people always stayed to their one specific okay. discipline yeah. and uh i was able to show people i can i can switch games and and uh be the best in the world so you're kind of like the fps version of like uh sonic fox you know that that guy now who plays all the fighting games and he's like one of the top players i don't even think i think you were a better version of him because you actually were winning all these games i think he's like you know considered in the top five uh you know a bunch of different fighting game titles right now but there's definitely more variation at least i might get in trouble for saying this because i'm not a big fighting game guy but i think there's more variation from one fps title to another in terms of all the different little mechanics i mean i guess fighting games you have a lot of like small nuance differences as well but yeah um, it's definitely a very impressive legacy and i think it's super important for the people who are fans of fortnite today and people who like are big esports fans today that are younger to kind of be aware of this in, in the sense that you know this, like guys like you are what paved the way for how we got to where we are today with all of the games that we play now and all the big competitions and stuff like that it was really people like you who took a chance back when you know, like I said, there was nobody doing this. There was no clear career path. Like there was Thresh for sure, but that was kind of when there's only one guy and he's won one tournament and they gave him a Ferrari and he got some sponsorships. Um, oh, and that we've even got some footage here of uh, of that MTV True Life episode. So much younger. <laughs> that, was, that was the house I grew up as a teenager. Wow. I used to play hockey in that coal sack right outside. That's that's crazy. That's um, awesome. that was me training for Arnold tournament, uh, 2003. Okay. Very long time ago, but uh, yeah, there I'm trying to play the game. There's my tiger on top of the monitor. <laughs> it's uh, man, that's it's a nostalgic looking at the thing. That there's my old uh, Ford Focus. I won mm -hmm. from playing Alien vs Predator two. So that was actually the second game I was world champion at, uh, and then I moved on to Arnold Tournament as my third game. Uh, but it's pretty cool to win a car playing video games as well. So definitely. Yeah. I, I bet. And what's what's interesting to me is that, you know, despite it being such a long time ago in the, you know, esports and technology world, uh, even though it was, you know, not that long ago, there's still so many similarities in terms of how you seem to have treated your training, your practicing. Um, like, I remember you telling me once that you only ate, like, you ate a very light lunch or you, did, you like, ate, like, a turkey sandwich or something like that, and that was it because yeah. you didn't want to get heavy. Like, you didn't want to, like, feel heavy while you were practicing. You wanted to be sharp well, it was like focused. Food coma. So, like, I was always afraid of food coma. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, this this uh, documentary is sick. Actually, if you a little bit earlier, you actually got a glimpse at uh, Heaton when he was really young and also uh, – uh, Thorne. Thorne was one actually interviewed me, and everyone knows Thorne as the esports historian. Yep. So it's so funny. Some of Thorne's first uh, interviews were with me uh, back in the day. Uh, big, which big is like Thorne the fan. Most, uh, celebrated journalist right out there right now. Oh, 100%. That dude is, I mean, like some people don't like him, but that guy is the <laughs> man when it comes. I don't care what anybody says. That guy is the man when it comes to esports journalism. He knows his stuff. Yeah, knows I mean, stuff. Every, everyone has their edge, you know? So, like, yeah. you just have to understand that's his edge and that's his. Uh, his chip on his shoulder and so forth. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I understand. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's really funny, actually, that, you know, we're, we're on this uh, uh, show and talking about uh, Fortnite and, and so forth. Actually, Fortnite was made by Epic, which was actually yeah. the game I won the World Championship at for Unreal Tournament. It was made by the same yeah. company. Epic. So well, I, I, knew engine, Mark, right? I knew Mark Rain and Cliff Blinsky back then, uh, but Mark Rain is still with Epic. And uh, wow. yeah, it's just, it kind of shows you kind of full circle of Epic Games. Um, back then, I was winning the World Championship on MTV for True Life for a game Epic made, and now you have a kid running $3 million, which another game Epic made, Fortnite. Uh, so it's really cool kind of to see the full circle. Yeah, I mean, that, that Unreal Engine that they, I mean, so many games use that engine now to build games even today, right? Like, it was yeah. so revolutionary. The guys at Epic are, clearly they've got some video game geniuses over there when it comes to the programming and development of these things, because they've hit so many home runs with their titles that it's it's kind of unbelievable. Um, so let's let's move a little bit forward towards Fortnite now, and like, you know, some of the things that are 
present today that obviously back then weren't, you know, weren't really possible. So for example, you know, when you were competing streaming, I don't even think streaming would have been possible due to the technological limitations of the PCs that people had. No, we were, like we were hundred grand. Yeah, we were just recording demos when we would play. And yeah. so I would record demos every time I play. And basically all you get is the gameplay. You don't get voiceover, you don't get commentary, you don't get video. Right. You get, all you get is actual gameplay. Like what you see when you live stream, imagine a live stream with nothing on it. Just just the game. Just the game. And so yeah. Uh, so we used to record demos all the time back in the day, and some a lot of my videos would obviously go viral because I was doing things people weren't doing. I was very yeah. aggressive in Quake 3 in general at the, at the very beginning. So uh, a lot of people would watch my demos and be interviewed about it. It was like, oh, Fatality is freaking crazy. He's like way aggressive, and he's doing things you should not do, but he gets, gets away with it, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we would uh, basically record demos and we would uh, put it on websites and basically try to get popular that way. That was our way of getting popular back in the old days. Okay, but there was no way for you to monetize that, right? Like you couldn't, like you basically, there wasn't even YouTube really back yeah, then, the, right? Yeah, monetizing it was basically social cred. <laughs> <laughs> like, so uh, if you want more social cred and you want to make people think you're cool, uh, you release demos and people are going to watch your demos. But the way to get the most social cred and popularity was winning the tournaments. Just like today, I mean, popularity is, you know, Booga obviously winning the championship. Look how much press he got for winning, right? right, right. And so even back then, that was the exact same thing, you know. Uh, you could win online, and it was cool to win things online or tournaments online. But actually, I never played tournaments online hardly ever. Um, really? I specifically only played on LAN. And so there was a lot of uh, strategy behind that, um, not only because I want to train like I would train for a tournament, like for a big cash payout, because these online tournaments, you never really knew if the guy might be cheating. You never knew what, what his setup was like. You don't know if there's things going on that are not the – fair um there, right. there's internet lag uh the game is actually different with the 50 ping versus the zero ping um there's yep. certain fights you can take and there's certain fights you cannot take and yep. so um i preferred to play only on land so when i trained or practiced i would actually set up my own dedicated server at my uh, home and i'd have people come over and land with me or i would go to their house and land with them in their apartments or whatnot um but i would even have people join my server so I, i'm playing on land and they're playing with like a 50 or 60 ping and it's unfortunate they have to play that ping, but just, you know, I'm I'm a perfectionist of like, I need to know exactly what I can and cannot do in a tournament. And yeah. so um, that was the idea behind it. But also I did a lot of things uh, to also be mysterious. I didn't want people to know anything about me. Um, so I was very <laughs> almost anti-social media. Um, yeah. I wanted to hide, uh, you know, what it was like to train and so forth. So, so in this video right here, you can see I'm training with a guy named Tex from San Antonio, and this we're training for the championship, uh, which uh, was the True Life uh, Epic Unreal Tournament 2003 championship. So we would train like in this kind of environment. We set up these tables, set up little chairs and uh, couches, and basically we would go at it, you know, hours on end, hours on end. So we, I think I was actually down there in San Antonio training for two weeks straight, and. Um, yeah, basically uh, that allowed me to uh, become very talented and good at the game. But also those people that came and trained with me were like kind of sworn to secrecy. So they weren't allowed to share what actually took place. They were not allowed to record demos. Um, so I was very private about uh, how I trained in the games. And it gave me an edge because when I played in tournaments, uh, people were scared to play against me. They knew if I was coming, uh, I'm, I'm ready. So... <laughs> Um, a lot of times, <laughs> I had so many people walk up to me after their, uh, the match, and they shake my hand, and they're like, "Oh man, I just I could my hand was shaking the whole freaking 15 minutes, you know." Uh, so it's kind of cool, but like you know, it's kind of the it's more about it's more than just being good at the game. It's about how you address your opponent. You know, you like right. when I shake your hand and say good luck, it's kind of almost a fear factor to some degree because <laughs> now you're like, "Oh, fuck, I got I got to play this guy. Like that guy's yeah. crazy." <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of the mentality I had back in the day, and and it was very cool to train with my friends, my very very close friends, and um, and kind of have like this secret network of, of people that I trained with, where we didn't share uh, any of our any of our stuff. So yep. um, everyone was super cool about it. I trained all around the world. Uh, travel traveled to Africa, trained there. Traveled to Sweden, trained there in apartments. Traveled to Germany, trained in a, a, a parent's basement of a kid that was playing in a tournament. And no, no one spoke, spoke English besides like the 18-year-old kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I've uh, trained obviously in Texas and uh, all across the U.S. But um, training was one of the most funnest things ever. It was it was so much fun to go to someone else's house and train there for two weeks. Or uh, uh, I actually trained one time in London, Ontario. Um, but I've I've trained basically all around the the world and and training with really top level players uh, um, privately on land it makes you a better gamer. Yeah, there's so much there to unpack. It's not even funny. So, like, first you have this, the fact that you actually had to play, like, strictly on land because you didn't want to play online. So you actually had to find people to come. Like, you couldn't just, like, find the other best player in the world and play online because you guys might have, like, 160 ping and it's just not representative of an actual game. And, I mean, yeah. for Fortnite, that's kind of the case. Like, certain builds and edits, like, you actually have to have really low ping to pull off. But, I mean, the, the levels that you would go to to do that, I think, is... You know, for any young player aspiring to to get better, that's something that they really need to kind of take to heart. Like, there's no, no nothing that's too far out of reach in terms of like what you have to do to to get to that level. Like, you have to be able to go all in and dedicate 100% of your time. And then the other thing is with you traveling all over the place and you meet some of these people. I mean, I would assume some of these people are still very good friends with you to this day. Like, you end up. People think that gaming is this antisocial thing, but funnily enough, like when you spend eight to twelve hours a day like gaming against one person, you almost know how they think in this really strange way, right? Like you actually understand their psychology at a level that a lot of people uh, who just kind of hang out with them for an hour or watch a, a football game or something, they don't get that same level of connection um, oh, sure. where you literally understand how this other person's mind works. You're like, I know where. I know if he gets tilted easily, I know if he's really, really stable, and I know you know what bugs him, what doesn't bug him. I know kind of how he prioritizes aggression versus defense, like being safe, or is he like cold and calculated, or will he take that 60-40 play every time? If it's 60 in his chance, will he take the 51-49 play, right? Yeah. So you can kind of learn a lot about somebody in this really crazy way through gaming. Um, so so obviously during that time, like you talked about these 5149 things and 6040 things, um, uh, this sun's coming really bright. I'm not sure if I should uh, close the shade or not. No, it's, it's all good. It's all okay, good. so um, so what the deal is that, um, you know, I knew how players were playing, like offensively, defensively, uh, strategic, and so forth. So. Um, I actually I, I actually flew in guys to train me for the World Championship in New York City, the Million Dollar World Tour uh, that I won. So that tournament, I had like an offensive guy come in, I had a defensive guy come in, I had a strategic <laughs> guy come in. I actually You're like had an MMA fighter. I had a badass guy come in uh, who was really talented, and I almost scared to bring him in because he might learn too much from me. Um, but <laughs> he he did assault me for like back in 2000 so i owed him and so i was like dude if you want to come and train with me 100 you can come and train with me like you know but he was like a badass like and then the fifth guy was this guy from finland it was just a completely crazy guy uh it was <laughs> uh so bringing in these different type of people uh to play with uh was a lot of fun back then yeah i mean it sounds like you had like you almost had like a ufc fighters mentality where you're like okay i need like a boxer who like might emulate this guy's style or a kickboxer and like you had all these guys come in so you could like take little pieces of all these games and then that way it makes a lot of sense that way when you were in a tournament you know maybe within the first frag or two you could realize this is how this guy plays i know i played a guy who's really good at that style i know what this guy's gonna do i know what his limitations are i know the path thing he's gonna take um yeah well so the funny thing is actually uh what i found out was you know I mean, it's kind of common sense, but like a strategic player dies near the power-ups. I mean, yeah. This is where he dies at. Like, that's yeah. just like his, he can't help himself. He has to get the mega health. He has to get the power-up, right? right? And so, um, you know, there's a fight for it, of course. But the thing is, if you know that's going to be his weak spot, you can set up shop before he sets up shop. And then now you have the advantage of him if he does come in. If you get one good shot off, he's screwed, you know? Yeah. So, um yeah, it was definitely wild. Uh, but then obviously playing against an offensive player, offensive player can die anywhere. I mean, just that's, <laughs> that's, that's just in their nature. Yeah, know? they're just hunting, uh, you, right? And then uh, and the kind of same thing with the, the crazy guy. But you know what was really amazing? That the crazy guy would kill me sometimes in the game. And I was like, wow, like, that's impressive. Like, the guy is playing so bad and so crazy that he killed me. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So it it was like it was it was amazing uh, it was an amazing thing to experience though and I really yeah. enjoyed playing him the most almost because I could never predict him he was yeah. completely unpredictable to some degree uh, but he had many many holes in his game he was like a top twenty four player in the world um, but 
Um, and that's kind of where he stayed, um, yeah. just because he's just too like he's either like all or nothing kind of thing. But yeah. e even his all was never beating me. But uh, <laughs> uh, but you know it was just uh, it was fun to play against a player like that. Yeah, yeah. That's all. It almost brings in the the so bad it's good. Like it, they're in a position where you're like, why are you there? You should not be there. I mean, you see that happen in CS:GO sometimes. Somebody will hide in a spot where. Every, like it's the most obvious spot. Nobody even bothers to check it anymore because the pro level, they just think that's, that place is way too exposed. It's way too open. And then, you know, they just, they're sitting there and you don't look there because you don't think he's going to be there and he kills you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, so yeah. that can always be, always be fun to kind of mess around with a little bit. Um, what advice would you have for some of these like young guys playing Fortnite right now in terms of, you know, obviously your era was a little bit different in terms of what you had to do to kind of compete, but you know, how would you prioritize, you know, for example, practicing and just working on your own mechanical skill versus, you know, becoming really familiar with your opponents and how they play and knowing what their tendencies are? And, you know, how would you prepare for that sort of practice? Like, do you purposely look for players that can compete against you? Like, how much time did you spend training with the, let's say, three or four guys that you felt at a tournament most worried, like, if I have a bad day, like, these guys could actually beat me? Like, did you ever train with them, or was that just like a, nope, you stay in that way, I'll stay over here, and we'll both kind of beat up on slightly worse people and make sure that the other person doesn't steal any of our, like, game knowledge. You need to you need to have uh, camaraderie with people on your level, or better, yeah. you know? And so um, I always try to play with guys who are, like, top 64 in the world. So, um, like, 64 is kind of, like, I mean, if I had to go to a top 120 in the world, I would, you know? Um but I typically, you know, you find a player that's like, you know, when I was at the end, you know, at the very end, like when I was playing against whoever I could find uh, in Pankill, I was playing against the top 32 players in the world. So I found a guy that was, I found everything from, I mean, the guys who came to my training and uh, for that training camp where I won the Million Dollar World Tour, three out of the top, three guys on the top, three guys in that facility, in my training camp, finished in the top eight. I mean, wow. obviously I took first, but like, <laughs> player, but two other players uh, took like, uh, you know, they took other places that finished very well in the tournament. So it, it's a testament to like how we train and so forth, and and how I can prepare people for for uh, success. Um, and so, um, the training that I would advise to people that are you know playing Fortnite and so forth. I mean, I've been playing Fortnite, uh, you know recently like I, I think i put 160 hours in in two two weeks and that was mainly just because i was just like i'm trying to get past the learning curve of the mechanics uh yeah. and uh obviously people that have been playing for the last two years have all the mechanics in the world uh for the game you know um but sometimes like i try to crush it in really fast because i'm trying to uh catch up to like you know ground level <laughs> to some yeah. degree right yeah, yeah. Uh, but obviously, I have my natural like hand-eye coordination, reflexes, aiming, uh, positioning, shots, all that stuff that happen naturally. So naturally, I'm gonna be pretty good at the game. Um, but for people that are trying to uh, get into playing Fortnite or already playing it, yeah, definitely try to find the best talent you possibly can find to, to train with. Also, also having deep conversations about strategy or whatnot. It, talking about the game and not playing the game is very powerful. Um, there's so many times where me and my friends would just sit back and just talk about the game. And then it was so funny. Like, I, I found out about a thing I did not know in the game six months after the game has already been out. So there's sometimes you miss things in the game that you just didn't even know existed uh, by yeah. just talking and brainstorming. So brainstorming about how the fight goes down, what do you think, that, what, what bothers you the most, what bothers me the most, and like kind of like figuring it out. Uh, and then, you know, you got to, you know, Always training and playing with people in person is way more powerful than doing it online. Even though we have Discord and all these ways to communicate and so forth, which does help a ton, there's still like a connection a little bit lost uh, of just being there physically with, with the person. So when I trained uh, back in the day, I mean, I, I always, I mean, 24-7, I'm trying to find people to train with. I would drive to three hours away to go to Omaha, Nebraska for the weekend and train uh, to play play with someone that's good. You know, uh, I would uh, I would throw LAN parties. I actually started a LAN party company throwing LAN parties in Kansas City to train more. You know I mean? So for me, I was definitely all in all the time, and I was doing whatever I could to be the best gamer in the world. And um, so it's, it's a thing that you constantly want to uh, try to prove on and, 
you know, it's a never ending battle. It never, it never stops. If you stop, someone's going to pass you. Um, so just depends on how much dedication you have to do it. Um, obviously you want to play with the, the best equipment. You want to play with the equipment, particularly you want to play with the equipment that the tournament is using. So what I would do in the past is I would find out what the tournament is using. I would find out what monitor they're using. I would find out what computer they're using, what processor. I would find out all these details about the tournament itself. And then I would replicate that at home. So basically I'm training on the tournament system, but I'm training at home, right? So that, I would, that's how far I would go to Did you like, measure like your keyboard distance from the edge of the table and would, the height of the desk, measure, like all that stuff? I would stuff. measure the, the height of the chair at the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> like you have no idea how crazy I was. <laughs> like, Dude, I, mean, I, I was uh, a different breed for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, but but I, I was looking at, you know, I was always trying to think of what could someone else have on me? What advantage could they have on me? And so I'm constantly on the hunt to find out what could someone have a, a jump on me. So I'm trying to find every percentile of extra data or information or make things easier for myself to play at the highest degree, you know? I mean, I used to be so, I mean, I mean, I would never sit in a swivel chair. Like I'm sitting in a swivel chair right now. I would never, in a tournament, I would never sit in a swivel chair because I thought it would affect my aim, you know? So <laughs> I had like, Stupid thing like this. I would request. I want a banquet chair. Yo, this chair is much nicer. I'm like, believe me, the banquet chair. <laughs> so, so it was very fun uh, back in the day. Uh, obviously, you know all the things I went through throughout my career. But um, yeah, I mean, it's you know, it was. Uh, I, I think people kind of like uh, don't realize how much work it was. Uh, but you know, I did it uh, the longest out of anyone, and that's kind of speaks for my record for itself. I mean. Uh, for about 11 plus years, I had the highest earnings in esports for a very long yeah, time. So. It, it, it's not even like if I encourage anybody who's watching this to go on YouTube, type in like highest earning esports players of all time. There'll be like this video that's like a bar graph. It just like has like a name and like bar graphs that kind of come across the screen and watch that. And you will see fatality at the top of that thing for like an oh, insane amount of time. Yeah, over, over a, decade. a decade for sure. It's ridiculous. And it's ridiculous. Like I said at the beginning, it wasn't like you're here and the other guy's like, oh, you can't really see my hands. But it's not like they're like this far apart. No, like your graph is like the entire length of the screen. There's one guy on the chart. And the other guys are like, you know, all like you can barely see their bar graphs. They're like these little tiny things. So Yeah, and that, that, was, and that was kind of by design too, you know. I mean, I wanted to, uh, you know, I had a lot of people saying that, you know, this is a fad, this is not going to last and so forth all the time. Like when I was playing Quick 3 and, oh, you're the best Quick 3 player in the world, but you're not the best gamer in the world. I'm like, okay, now I got to now I got to prove myself. <laughs> now I got So that's why I started playing ABB2. That's why I started playing Unreal Tournament. That's why I moved on to Painkiller uh, and all these other games um, was to kind of prove, uh, you, know, that, you know, that I am the best gamer in the world. And yeah. so, um, but, you know, I had a big chip on my shoulder to prove people wrong. Um, you know, obviously, I had my parents on my back a little bit, uh, but um, that, that, that quickly changed when I brought over $100,000 in my first year. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, funny so, how that'll do oh, that, eh? Well, you're buying like, me a Cadillac? <laughs> like, oh, okay. Oh, I bought right. me a Cadillac with my first prize winnings. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's that, that was a smart bribe, sir. That's a good way yeah. to get your dad. Okay, as long as you keep making the money, we'll... Uh, We'll allow you to do this thing, right? And it's no. Uh, well, obviously, I moved out, and, I, and you know, uh, I was only there for uh, a, sh a short time, like maybe a year or two years, maybe. But uh, eventually, I think I'm trying, I'm trying to think of exactly when I was completely out. But like, I was always traveling, so I was never really home in general yeah, that yeah. much. Um, uh, as a professional gamer back in 2000, I was everywhere. I was in Korea. I won the gold medal there at World Cyber Games Challenge. Went to Germany and Cologne. I uh, was in yeah. Singapore and Asia. Went to uh, yeah, at just that so point, many different having, places. At that I mean, point, having like a house of your own or something doesn't even make sense because you'd be like, why am I paying for this rent? Like I'm here like one week every three weeks or something. You know what I mean? Like you're constantly traveling, like you were saying, to go train into different people's houses. Like it just didn't make that much wouldn't have made that much sense for you to like spend all this money on like having a home base. Well, you gotta have a home. You gotta, you yeah, you gotta have a home. You can't live out of yeah. your car. So, right? uh, so I paid rent to my dad and to, uh, and then uh, also my parents. So like in that video you saw, I was running out the basement of my parents' house at that point. And I think it was, it was not much. It was like 300 bucks a month or something. It wasn't much. Uh, and then my, uh, one of my good friends uh, who I went to high school with, I was a really good friend of mine. Uh, 
he invited me to come live at his house uh, near state line and I'd have a much, you know, a much more relaxed uh, bachelor's lifestyle there. Uh, but obviously my focus was uh, was playing video games. So I had a six man land center in my basement. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's where we trained to win all the championships. Dude, there's so many parallels to everything you're talking about and uh you know to the kid a lot of the kids today maybe not so much but i know like when i was competing in halo i wasn't as good as you are at quake not even close um but i was at a pretty high level like i was on one of the best teams in canada and you know we like we were probably like top 24 level team and we did a lot of the same stuff we trained you know we had a couple of teams here in the city that we played with almost all the time all weekend every weekend we'd go we'd land uh, we put money on the line just to make it feel more like a real tournament. You know what I mean? Like have a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars that we're playing for with all the teams that were there and like throw these little mini tournaments. And that was the best practice. And then, like you were saying, too, we do afterwards, you know, the day would be done. And then instead of, you know, going home and going to sleep or something, we'd all go out, we'd get food and we'd talk about the game and the maps and the strategies for another, like four hours. And then we'd wake up after like sleeping three hours and then do it all over again. Sleep more kids. That's the lack of sleep part wasn't good, but um, there's so many parallels there that I think that, you know, a lot of the kids today maybe don't necessarily relate to as much because they play online all the time and because everything's done from their own home, which is great. Like I'm super happy that all these kids can really test themselves from home and they don't need to maybe make the investments we needed to make and yeah. fight the battles we needed to fight with our parents to like allow us to go to these places and do these well, things I mean, but fortnite does a very good job of like yeah. making it accessible from home you can play yeah. in you know the cups they have like every week right yeah. and you can play online against the best players right there and yes you are limited to what you have at home you do you have a good computer do you have good internet do you have uh, the right right tools to succeed the best at home right yeah and you know yes you, some of some of them don't some of them do but some a lot of them don't as well so yeah. um you know definitely it's a different time but the thing is i think you know i'm not sure how good the anti-cheating software is in general uh, on fortnite you know i'm not sure if there's a lot of cheating in the game or not um and that's why like when i do it like we always said in the old days we always say do it on land because on land yeah. you would know if the guy's legit or not legit so. oh yeah for sure land was always what mattered the most right because that's where you everybody was on the same situation um but just to go back to what you were saying about the setups like and this is where i think you know some of the kids today can learn a little bit about the work ethic and the dedication and the passion that some of the older the older guard from esports had was you know maybe you didn't have a nice new monitor i knew lots of people who literally picked up a part-time job specifically for the ability to buy that monitor Right, or to buy the new console or buy that new PC upgrade or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, obviously that takes you away from the game, but if it's going to make your setup better, if it's going to make your gaming oh, more it's, efficient, it's, it's, it's so it's, worth it. It's necessary. Yeah, it's even, 100%. It's not it's not even not it's not it's not even close to being not necessary. It's a hundred percent necessary. Yeah, it's not optional. If if you don't if you don't know if you don't know what your potential is because you're playing on limited hardware or limited uh equipment, uh you don't know if that shot's even possible or not possible. Maybe yeah. that shot is possible with that setup. But yeah. with this setup, it's definitely like impossible or more unlikely. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> if you're not practicing and training on this uh, optimal setup, um, you don't know your full potential. And I've played many tournaments where I go to the tournament and the, and the tournament machine's less than my computer, you know? But the thing was, somewhere in my aiming, I still knew to move the mouse a little more right or more, a little more left, even though I couldn't see it on the screen. You know, I could, I knew that I had to like make the adjustment or wherever it was. Right. So it was kind of funny because now I, now I've kind of like done this. I've kind of tricked my mind to know what that crappy computer can do, but I know how it works at home, but like it's a complicated situation, but uh, I would find myself sometimes where I was definitely doing some shots for more damage, you know, not more, just like more than you would be able to if you're on a crappier system. Right, because right. the less frames you see, the less accuracy you're going to have, yeah, uh, the yeah, less words that the monitor you have, the less smooth the, the characters are moving across screen. Uh, so all these things are a big factor. Yeah, yeah, that all makes sense. Um, damn, we've been going for 45 minutes already, and I know you have to get wow. to a hockey game. Start. <laughs> I know, right? It's it's crazy. Uh, we're going to definitely, I'm, I'm telling you now, we're going to have to have you come back on at some point because sure, uh, sure. this, this has been a lot of fun. Um, but let's get into, I think there's really no patch notes to talk about anyway, so I mean, we'll skip over that. Um, I do want to get your input on some of the stuff that's going on in the community right now. So, uh, you know, I'm constantly on the Fortnite subreddit. And one thing that I've noticed and that a user actually made a post about, I think today, maybe it was today or yesterday, um, 
but that I've noticed a lot is just the incessant kind of complaining from the community regarding everything, yeah. everything. Uh, so this subreddit, which is supposed to be dedicated to, you know, competitive Fortnite, so be that clips from tournaments, uh, strategies, building, like how to do certain things, right, that really would like foster a competitive community. Instead, it seems to have just turned into a constant like, oh, this is too dumb or this is broken. Um, did you have any experience with that back in in your day with any, any of the games? And if so, like what what advice would you give to all these players who are focusing on all this stuff? Because for me, I kind of just feel like, you know, you this might like, be the reality, but you've got to deal with the game that you have. And just crying exactly. about it isn't going to make it go away or make it exactly. better. So the thing is, like, you know, uh, the dynamic of the game changes. Um, right. You know, and Epic did this to me in Unreal Tournament 2003 when they switched to Unreal Tournament 2004. The flak cannon was like a shotgun grenade launcher. Um, uh, what? Remember flak cannon? The flak cannon? In no, I, I never played that game, man. Okay, no. so they had a flak cannon, <laughs> kind of like a shotgun, but the bullets okay. would take time to travel there. And then they had a, it was kind of a grenade launcher attached to it. And, uh, so you have these, this like kind of dual weapon purpose uh, a weapon, right? Well, the flat cannon would shoot really fast, and it was really good close combat and so forth. Well, in Unreal Tournament 2004, the next version of, of Unreal Tournament, um, they made the flat cannon, the reload time, crazy long. So now if I get close to a guy, I can only shoot like one of them, and then basically I'm stuck using... Uh, an inferior weapon now it's like to the to the max um so i remember when that happened i was extremely frustrated too uh th there's countless times in esports and competitive gaming that i've been upset about uh game developers changing the game uh, making these uh, uh, changes and so forth and you know it's it's kind of like rolling with the punches you know it just you know it's, it's a thing that sucks you know i mean uh but you have to learn how to adjust to it. You have to learn how what is the most optimal optimal way to play the game now, yeah. uh, because when the game changes, you don't have control over it. I remember winning the Unreal Tournament, uh, the Alien vs Predator Two tournament before the g tournament. The day before the tournament, the patch was changed. It changed all of the homing missiles for the gun that basically it made it like ninety nine point nine percent accurate. And I found the way to get the point one, <laughs> but but. When I walked in that tournament, I knew I was going to win it hands down. Like, I, I, it was like no one's giving me, and I knew I was going to wipe the floor, but they changed the patch. Now, all of a sudden, everyone caught up to my level because I believe I was the only guy who properly knew how to dodge in the game. And it was my own, own little secret. I didn't tell anyone, I didn't share it with anyone. And also, when I trained with the guys online, I purposely would not do the move that often because I didn't want them to catch on to the move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so there are certain things like there where like if you have information, uh, you know, this is great advice for you guys out there. But like if you know something, don't share it <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, you know, it, it, there, there is like, you know, you put all that work in all that time in to learn the game and, and, and learn things before other people learned it. That's an advantage that you got because you did you put the work in. And yeah. so if you're going to share it. You gotta share with someone really close that you also have a trust and relationship with that you can share together. Yeah, you gotta share it at a tournament, right? When you're, I mean, and not like share it. You just pull it out at a tournament, and then everybody's gonna go, "What was that?" Like they might not even notice it. I had, yeah. I, I in Quake Three, there was a trick where you could jump from the top of the jump pad and land right in front of the jump pad, and it took zero damage and no sound. And so in the tournament, it was so awesome. I, I, I the guy kind of had the position on me. He had the armor on me. He had, he had control over me. But I remember I, I fell down and I went and I like basically ran underneath them. I actually walked underneath them. It's totally silent. He still thinks he has a shot on me. Like, because like basically when you go up there, you have to jump and you have to give, you have to expose yourself for one shot, right? Yeah. But I'm literally walking underneath them. And then, obviously, I'm already. I could keep walking at wherever the deal is to get to the red armor and like get the power up wherever. And uh, and I remember uh, I purposely started jumping and making noises because I knew it would piss him off. <laughs> so, <laughs> you would just be so confused. Like, how did he get away from that? Yeah, but, the, but and also the guy's in frustration because he has control. And when someone has control and you're about to take it away, like steal it from them, it, 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 it digs into a guy's skin so yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. So oh, for sure. I, I purposely started jumping because I knew it, it, would, it would freaking – 
lit him up. You know, I was, this guy's going to be so pissed. So I run up there, and he's trying to run. I, obviously, I'm going to get it because I'm, I'm ahead of him. I get the armor. He's running toward it. I kill him. And then, obviously, I went on, I've gone to win the match with ease, you know. Uh, but uh, it was definitely a funny moment where, um, you know, it's kind of a mind game to some extent. You have to play with people a little bit and get inside their head and, and – uh, and a lot of that's the psychological side of uh, esports and gaming is that how can you play with someone's mind a little bit uh, and get them out outside their uh, comfort zone? Yeah, definitely. Adapting, uh, playing the psychological aspect. Like there's a there's a lot of psychology in esports that people don't take into account, right? Um, and I think just the one thing I want to add on to what we were quickly discussing earlier about you know um, changes to the game yeah. and stuff like that. You know, obviously they're very frequent right now, and if you have an issue with them. Like, you got to be constructive because, like, I think a lot of these players forget that the game developers are actually human beings. Like, it's like some person just like you, you know, maybe they're older than you. If you're like a teenager or something, they're probably older than you, but they're a human. So if you go, oh, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. This game sucks now. Like, what are the chances that if you if somebody approached you like that and then told you to do something that you're going to do it? If you're a teenager, I guarantee you that's a zero percent chance, like zero percent. And sometimes I see influencers kind of like hype it up a little bit too, but sometimes I feel like they're just doing it for clickbait, you know, just to oh, yeah, kind of, for sure. just to like kind of create uh, drama. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does suck when they change the games and so forth. And there, are, it would be nice that there's more constructive way to like gather the information and then and then you know let it let it let it out. Um, but you know, I mean, the game developers are developing their game how they want to develop their game right uh, it's not your game it's their game you know yeah. and so uh if they choose to change some things and so forth and and they do they do it does seem that the game developers are listening to the audience because they've been making games easier every freaking year for like the last 15 years yeah yeah and I that's something that games were like back in like you know if you ever played a game called painkiller that game was the most ruthless deadliest game in the world no one it, if you sucked, you sucked. <laughs> and, uh, there was no way around it. Uh, well, and today, you know, people whine about dying fast and all this stuff, spawn killing and everything else. And, you know, the progression of the games for the last 14 years is they've slowed the games down. I mean, even Quake Champions, the game that, you know, uh, the Quake franchise was an extremely fast game. It was really deadly. And uh, Quake 1, Quake 2 was pretty deadly. Quake 3 was extremely deadly because they had, like, random spawns. Like, when, when you kill someone, they would just randomly spawn in front of you. But they, even they changed their game to make it more uh, friendly for noobs, you know? And so... Um, but Painkiller was definitely one of those games that were like, it was like do or die kind of game. And ever since then, it's like, you know, everyone's trying to build like a 50-50 experience. I mean, obviously you see like, you know, League of Legends or Dota and so forth. You know, you, you, every game, you if you solo queue in, they try to even the teams out to be a 50-50 experience because they want everyone to win or lose. Uh, same with like Overwatch. Um, these type of games are, are too catered to the masses. So and you think so, sports are too easy today? Is that what I'm getting I, out of this? I, I, th I think I think the the games are more based around team play and team skill rather than individual. Right. I mean, huh? I think to an extent, I like the teamwork ability. Like, I'm a huge League of Legends fan. I played Halo. That was my competitive game, and that was a game where you know I'll, I'll straight up admit I was never the most individually talented guy, but I had a really good sense of how teams moved around the map and where yeah. to be at the right time and control yeah. the map and. Um, Kind of put the I shots. Love, I love team play. I mean, I we I won one of my world championships are in team play, four v four deathmatch and uh, team deathmatch and Quake Three Arena. And I love working on a team. But even yeah. even in the, that game, Quake Three Arena, when team deathmatch, there was still a lot of skill being displayed. Um, but there was a lot of teamwork being displayed at the same time. So. Uh, for me, it's like when I see uh, some of the games today, like I feel like their emphasis is so much on teamwork where yeah. the individual player really can't like overpower like one yeah. team. Which definitely, I think that is the balance because you see that like even League of Legends is a move. Like when I first, when I was playing League a lot and really taking the game seriously, um, one person, like if you were the best player in the game, you could win that game. Now, if you you might be the best player in the game, but if you have the worst player in the game on your team, you're pretty screwed. Uh, <laughs> like it's really really hard to overcome that because he can just make the other guy so much stronger. Yeah. Um, I think Fortnite. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this. Is kind of like a final thing. I think Fortnite does a pretty good job of kind of balancing this and the duos and in the uh, the squads variants. I know they they don't really run squads competitively. It's more trios. Um, but like 
Fortnite is one of those games that, you know, at the beginning, it was kind of, um, I don't want to say a joke, but, like, if you look at early clips, like, when people were building one ramp or, like, one wall and that was it, and, yeah. you know, people didn't know how to build, right? It was kind of gimmicky, but now you see how much mechanical skill goes into building, and I know you play the game quite a bit. We actually yeah. featured one of your uh, your clips here on Clip of the Week one week. Um, do you think Fortnite does a better job right now than most games at kind of balancing that individual skill versus team play sort of aspect? Well, there is a ton amount of skill in the building mechanics of Fortnite. It's such a new thing in general. Uh, so the people that are the best at it right now are the best at it. And that, that makes a big difference on who wins the fight and who loses the fight. Yeah. I was a ton of teamwork. I've watched, uh, I think I watched Tifu, I watched Booga. I've watched a lot of those guys play their uh, trio uh, scrimmages and so forth and watch how they play. It's very like passive, kind of almost like PUBG style, very passive uh, at the beginning, and then obviously just try and survive and make it to the, like the final circle, and then the circle starts moving. You know, yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, they're keeping track of how much uh, materials they have and so forth, and and uh, and then they're just trying to be best position themselves the best they can. Uh, I really liked watching Tifu play a little bit. Uh, I liked because he, he used a booga bomb or whatever the 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 bomb. bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. Uh, I like some of the moves that they were making. I make those all the time, but like, uh, it was just, uh, I, I like it just because it feels like a rocket launcher jump, like a rocket jump in Quake. Uh, so I love use, using the boogie bombs. I think they're fun. Uh, is it the boogie bomb or what was it? Yeah, the, it's the boogie bomb. The one that makes you dance, right? That's no, the no, one no. The about. one that makes you fly. Oh, that's the impulse nade, I think. Yeah, the impulse nade. Okay, yeah, yeah. Those are great. Those are fantastic. Like yeah. I love, I I love the adrenaline rush because that's <laughs> more my speed. Like that's like moving fast and everything like that. That's like more like my uh, my yeah, quake was so know? fast. Yeah. Like, so that but that's that's what painkiller was like all the time. <laughs> so uh, you know, always that adrenaline rush and you know just moving fast and uh, yeah. But anyways, I I did uh, enjoy watching some of those guys play and uh, watching the strategy go down. But it's, it's just a lot of teamwork and, you know, the building mechanics, you know, I, I don't know the, I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't been playing the game for the last two years straight, so I can't really attest to, like, uh, how easy or how hard it is to build, uh, like they, they build. Um, I know it took me about 160 hours to get my skill up to, like, somewhere close, not even close. I mean, I'm, I, I would still say I'm really far from where they are, um, but, uh, but, you know, there's the definitely skill. There's definitely a skill in building, and oh, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a unique thing that I uh, have enjoyed watching and playing uh, myself. Because for me, I'm always trying to learn like different techniques and different FPS games, and I felt like this was the first time uh, a game gave me a challenge again, where it was something different than the norm I've been doing for the last 20 plus years. Yeah, it's definitely a completely unique mechanic, and I think that's what makes it so fun for a lot of people and also so frustrating for a lot of the other people that aren't good at it, right? Because it's like, this is such a weird thing to just Fortnite, but like that's that's what Fortnite has become. Like, if you're not good at that mechanical skill, you're not yeah. able to compete, right? So you kind of have to get those baselines down. Uh, yep. I think we had a question from chat that was actually pretty interesting. So... Um, Basically, what they're trying to figure out is, do you think that, you know, because they agree with you, essentially, that the, the game has moved more towards, uh, you know, games in general and moved more towards team focus and individual focus. Do you think we're ever going to see a return to that really high skill ceiling and uh, like that individual focus? Because at least uh, from what I've been able to tell in, you know, my much shorter time in the industry is that I think there's a sweet spot for games where it has to be a look like there had it has to be accessible enough that a player can pick up the game and do something and at least feel like they're playing relatively quickly. But then the difference between that player and somebody who's been playing for a month should be astronomical. And the player, like, it should be kind of this stepping ladder where every tier is so much better and there should be a, a big skill gap. Um, what's your thought on that? Are we going to see a return to really, really big skill gaps? And what's how, what's your kind I, of ideal I, game I, design? I feel, like, I feel like, it's a, I mean, I feel that it would be a natural evolution that everyone would want it to be faster because they would people would want more skill to be shown, more right. more things, to, more crazy things to happen, right? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I always have a big a big belief that it can come back. Uh, I think I think Quake in general, like as a franchise, uh, I would like to see them kind of lead the front to some degree. Um, the game right now they have, I, I'm not a massive fan of, uh, but like. You know, it's 
when you have like uh, just talking about one v one deathmatch and so forth, and these games in general, like go, almost go to any FPS game. Okay, if there's a rel gun or an instant hit weapon in the game that's very powerful, it makes the game very defensive. Definitely. So when you have these long range weapons that are overpowered or very powerful uh, and cause people really good players to stop, that was that's what caters to camping. And that's what caters to defensive gameplay. That's what caters to all the things that we typically as spectators don't like. And, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of the railgun. Obviously, I'm really good with the railgun, but it's <laughs> beside the point. The point is that I want to see more action. I want to see more people pressing forward, not backwards. Yeah. So uh, I want to see crazy acrobatic fights, you know. And that's what Painkiller was. And... Uh, if you guys ever get a chance, there's a video on online. It's uh, Fatality versus Vu CPL uh, CPL World Tour Finals. It's a pretty long video, but it shows you kind of like the whole game. Uh, it shows you four matches, and it was obviously the Million Dollar World Tour. Uh, but that will show you some really high level uh, gameplay and shows you how fast it is. And uh, there's commentators the whole nine yards and kind of like dive into like what it was like in 2005 at the biggest esports tournament in the world uh, back then. It's uh, for a lot of the young guys watching out there right now, it's going to be a bit of a shock because of just how big of a difference that was, right? I mean, it's a whole different world. But, you know, I know you've got a Vegas game to get to. I'm kind of jealous. I'm uh, missing yeah. the Leafs game right now, which has me a little bit sad. Uh, last I checked, we, we got scored on like 15 I'll, seconds. Uh, I'll try to give game, you so. a little sneak peek. Uh, so I'm here in uh, Vegas. I'll actually show you. Uh, um, Let's see if I can turn this blurriness off or not. <laughs> but let's see. I, I don't even know how to do yeah. this yet. Yeah, but here I, I'm out. I can see it kind of. The strip's right I there, know. right? That's crazy. It's breaking up a little bit now. <laughs> oh, we lost your video there. It's, uh... <laughs> no, 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 I'm still here. Okay. Are you still here? All right. You well, got me? Yeah. Uh, we lost, we lost the video feed. Oh, I think it's back now. I think it's back. Um, you got me still? Yeah, yeah, we do. So here's uh, the Vegas trip. So actually right over here is where the Golden Knights are playing at. Let me oh, see wow. I can show it to you. So you just got across the street. You're lucky. Lucky man. Trying to, trying to get it. One second. You can see it there. It's that white building, right? Yeah, there you go. Right there. Oh, yeah, right there. oh man. Lucky yeah. guy. Lucky guy. Yeah, so um, that's pretty cool. Pretty excited about going to the game, of course. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, but yeah, as we wrap this up, I just want to know, like, you know, here's your opportunity to kind of tell the the Fortnite fans that are watching what you got going on. Uh, you know, I'm assuming you might bring this up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ready up. Yeah, so uh, you know what we're doing at Ready Up. Uh, I'm a obviously a co-founder of the company. It's been kind of my lifelong dream to uh, try to help grow esports. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I feel like for people that want to get into esports, it's been kind of hard. Uh, they, it's a lot of like uh, going to forums, going to different websites, and so forth to figure it out. Uh, so basically, Ready Up is just basically a master calendar for all esports and gaming events. So basically, learning about tournaments, qualifiers, uh, path of pro events. Um, uh, obviously, um, we want to help create a bigger pipeline for people to get into esports. And so ReadyUp is finding new ways to help uh, people with communities to monetize their community about telling events are coming up and to come and join and be a part of that. Uh, so the, the really the big message here with ReadyUp is that we're just trying to help create a bigger pipeline for people to get into esports and become a part of the global esports ecosystem. And uh, if you guys want to check it out, check out ReadyUp.com. Uh, but we have a lot of things we're working on right now. We're still kind of uh, in beta phase. Um, but uh, Ready Up is uh, definitely something very close to my heart, and uh, I'm very looking forward to uh, helping people get into esports faster and easier, and be a part of this growing industry. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can echo a lot of that. Uh, I'm yeah, also well, involved. Full disclosure. Well, Trooper, he, uh, he's the one that's always inputting all of our data right now. So <laughs> it's rough. It's he's, rough. Uh, I'm looking forward to automating. There's a lot, there's a lot of events out there, and it's really hard to find them. And that's uh, that's where that's where Trooper comes in and really helps us shine in a lot of ways. <laughs> and you know, our goal is obviously to get more Troopers. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I want that too. The less that I have to do with that, and more stuff, the uh, more places I can focus my attention elsewhere, the better. But um, yeah. yeah, thank you so much for coming on today, dude. I I really appreciate it, and I hope we'll have you back, and we'll be able to talk some more Fortnite another time soon. 
Um, but please go enjoy the Vegas game, and uh, we'll we'll catch up later. Hey, thank you very much, guys. And hey, go practice, guys. Practice, <laughs> practice, practice, practice. That's the only way, guys. About practice. It's the only about way you're going to be number one. Number one, <laughs> anything. You got to practice, practice, practice. It's true. It's true. All right, I'll see you guys later. Thank you so much, uh, Trooper. No worries, man. Take care. Enjoy the game. Thanks. See ya. Later. Bye. All right, guys. That was uh, Mr. Fatality himself. That was uh, quite an honor. Uh, I work with John on a fairly regular basis, but still, it's really good to, to talk to him. And a lot of that stuff, actually, I hadn't really ever spoken to him about personally. So it was kind of cool even for me to get that story. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. Um, I know we didn't kind of cover a lot of the stuff that we normally would cover, but uh, he's got such an insane history, and it's just so much fun to talk to him and hear his stories that you know I kind of just wanted to bring all that out because I thought that was way more entertaining. It, Fortnite's kind of been going through a bit of a lull period right now anyway. Season 10's wrapping up. Not a whole lot to discuss. So um, hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll have him back on, and please you know, go give him a follow. If for some reason you don't already, that's one of the godfathers of esports. And you know, check out Ready Up. We do some cool stuff. Um, this week, uh, we did have Clips of the Week. Uh, we don't really have – I don't know if we have time to show them all right now, but the winner of the Clip of the Week is Beanie, B-I-N-I. Um, he had a really, really crazy clip where he actually – yeah, he got 100% of the vote, so look at that. Uh, and, yeah, look at this. So, essentially, he's going to pull out the shotgun and then use the heavy sniper on every single one of these kills. So, he basically is just going to go through and use the sniper rifle as, like, a second pump, which, you know – Obviously very close range, but still really difficult to hit all those shots, especially because he didn't miss a single one. Like, this guy hit every single one of these that he did this. He would hit the shotgun shot, and then he would hit the uh, the heavy sniper shot. And it got him the win in this game. It was in a tournament gameplay. You can see there, uh, Code Slugs, if you want to give him your support. Uh, and boom, there it is. Like, just phenomenal aim, phenomenal accuracy, and really, really good job from him. So, uh yeah, that is our clip of the week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And remember, if you guys have your own clips, please send them to us, and we will potentially feature you on Clip of the Week where you can get seen by now all of our audience, and uh, we will potentially have some cool stuff coming up for Clip of the Season, etc. or we'll pitch you against the other Clip of the Week winners, all that good stuff. So send us your clips. We always love watching some high-level Fortnite here on this show. But I think for this week, guys, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that discussion with Fatality. And I'll see you guys all next week for another episode of Tilted Talk.